0: Welcome to the Antioch Community Church Podcast. We are a church located in the downtown Birmingham area where we desire to be with and like Jesus and help others do the same for the glory of God. We hope today's message encourages and challenges you. So, um, 1958, was the very bottom of what was called the wilderness years for the Green Bay Packers? Any Green Bay Packer fans in the house? In deep Alabama, anybody even know who that is or what that is, what sport that is? Uh, they were they had had a terrible like like 11-year run. 1958 was like the worst. They had won. One single game, they lost 10, they had tied uh, one somehow. I don't even know how that happens. Um, and uh, they were doing terrible. And, you know, as football does, you know, if, if the team's doing bad, right, it's, it's largely the coach's fault. So they trade out coaches, try to get the right person in there. And they bring in this new coach uh, for the 1959 season, and it's Vince Lombardi. And at that point, he was, you know, he, he hadn't become, like, the Vince Lombardi that, yeah, like, you're like, okay, it was, his name's not Nick Saban, or, you know, so we don't even know who that at Roll Tide. Uh, we don't even know who that is. Um, he's a very well-known guy in the NFL, okay? And um, he hadn't, you know, become the Vince Lombardi that, you know, that many people in the world know, maybe not here. Um, and he was asked at a press conference uh, in 1958 before that season, all right, so what are you going to do differently to, you know, help this team become a team that, you know, our city can be, you know, happy about and rally around and be excited and just basically not lose. And he said, you know, I'm I'm not going to change any of the players. I'm not going to change any of the plays. I just want us to get brilliant at the basics. I want us to get brilliant at the basics. They soon went on to win uh, national, I think, five national championships in a row. And then in, I forget the exact year, but early 60s, there was the very first Super Bowl. They won that. And then they won the next year, the second Super Bowl. So he basically turned this terrible team around. And that was his whole thing. Be brilliant at the basics. Which has now become, I mean, there's like books, you know, written with that title, and that's kind of a that's kind of a mantra, a phrase, an idea of being brilliant at the basics because as humans, we just generally we kind of lean towards complexity, and I don't know about you, but I can certainly make my life too complicated than it needs to be. And I think we can make following Jesus too complicated than it needs to be. And I think at the beginning of a new year, it can be helpful to kind of just think, all right, so what are the basics? All right, let's, let's just acknowledge some of the basics and even though sometimes they're not, you know, the fun, crazy, complicated thing that we think, you know, I'm, you know I, I have to do, whatever, fill in X, Y, Z for you if you're a follower of Jesus, what you think that looks like to, you know, be, be, to, to go beyond the basics, what, what is maybe one of the main basics? And that's what we're going to look at today. So we're in between series, we, we just finished up our Advent series um, and then this coming Sunday uh, will be another Sunday in between series. And then with kind of the beginning of the new uh, spring, the new semester, we're going to spend the whole semester in the Book of Hebrews. So I'm looking forward to that. But for today, um, I wanted to just take us to, I think one of the one of the most central, you know, parts of what of Jesus teaching, and one of the most basic things for what it means to be a follower of Jesus and what Jesus wants us to do. And I love this image. So at the beginning of every season, uh, what Lombardi would do is, at the very beginning, before they did anything, the first practice, he would get a football, and he would hold it up, and he would say, gentlemen, this is a football. I mean, these are professional, like, they know, right? So it just makes me wonder, you know, like, what is, what is Jesus's, what would he have in his hand? You know, what would he be saying? Guys, this is the basic thing. This is, what, this is what I want you to do, all right? I know you can think that this is, like, elementary, but this is actually the main thing. I just want you to nail. If you can get this, everything else will be okay, right? And so that's what I want us to look at in John 13. And really what we're going to do is if you look at John 13, verse 35, I just want to basically go kind of phrase by phrase in that one verse and um, Just walk through this and see the the movement that Jesus is making to his disciples. And so we'll kind of walk through this in four different sections, breaking up that one sentence that Jesus says. Um, The first section will be, by this. So we'll just look at what Jesus is kind of drawing our attention to. What is this thing that he's talking about that he's gonna put a lot of emphasis on? So section one, by this. Section two, all people will know. Whatever that this is is, people are going to recognize it in some way. All people will know. The third is that you are my disciples. So what is this thing that Jesus is saying? This is the basic thing that people who have really no clue about me they're going to recognize you by. They're going to identify you. It's going to be like a, a stamp, you know, a marker, my, my blueprint on you. And then the fourth, fourth if you have love. For one another. So, by this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So, by this, um, Jesus is uh, pulling back just a little bit. If you look at this part of of John, um, this is what's called the farewell discourse. So, this is the very end of Jesus' life and then teaching ministry that he spent three years with his disciples. These are the last things he's saying to his disciples before he knows they probably haven't caught the drift even though he's, he's dropped a lot of hints, that he's about to be executed, that he's about to go away. And these are the last things that he leaves with, with his few. I mean, he's got these 12 guys that he's been investing his life in and asking, you know, inviting to follow him and obey him. And at the very front, John 13 is where that starts. And What he focuses on, as we heard read for us in verse 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, right? Now, if you think, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, you think what's one of the most basic things to Christianity, I mean, mean, on one level, just being human, right, is love. Not necessarily romantic love. That's not what's being talked about here. This is talking about, you know, just in all of our relationships, a quality of love. Now, granted, Jesus does complicate it a little bit. Not really complicated, he just kind of evolves it a little bit, right? So he does keep that basic thing, but then he does add, he does build onto it, right? And he says, a new commandment. Now, if, you're, if you read that, and you've read anything before that in the Bible, you'll know this is not a new commandment. This is one of the things that's been harped on over and over and over again. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus starts building on that and saying, no, not only that, but love your enemies, right? And so he's saying, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. What is he saying there? Well, as he continues on to say, just as I have loved you. So what Jesus does is he, he says, it's not just, it's not just about you know being nice. It's not just about being polite to one another. He's saying the the lens through which he has, I have interacted with you 12, and therefore have also interacted with you, if you know Jesus, that is the way that I want you to interact with other people. I want you to take your cues for how to treat other people, not from, you know, any, any person that you think does life well or whatever, but I want you to, I want you, how I've interacted with you, I want you to pass that on to others now you know, one of the primary things, you know, Jesus, the way he loves you. So the question is, how has he loved me? How has he loved you? What has he done? What does it feel like? What, is it, what has it looked like? How does it impact you? I mean, a, that's a good question for you just to reflect on outside of this time. How has Jesus loved me? And not just answering that with, you know, what you think the preacher wants you to say, But just for yourself, how would you, in your own words, how has Jesus loved me? Because he says that's ultimately, you know, that's that's going to be the foundation uh, that building, you know, all of following him is going to be built after, just as I have loved you. Ultimately, right? It's about it's it's sacrificial love. It's not just when you treat me well, I respond well back to you. Ultimately, that's what Jesus is is coming to break into the world, which had not been, you know, the the idea of loving your enemies was not around pre-Jesus. He introduced that. And oftentimes, you know, I mean, the idea is that you, you, you treat someone, you're able to treat someone well, even if they've damaged you. And sometimes that can come out in very damaging ways. Sometimes someone can do or say something that's very hurtful, and um, you know can feel painful, but oftentimes it's it's more like a paper cut, right? Most of the times when we hurt one another, it's not some you know massive thing that's going to make a headline in the news. It's just more of a lack of love, or just you know like offhanded comments, or something that's said in a way that is not for what Paul says is a, is what we're supposed to use every single word for, which is to give grace to the hearer. And so, you know, little paper cuts, I mean, they're little, but they hurt. And they can add up over time. And Jesus is saying, I I want you all to interact in a way that is like the way that I've interacted with you, which ultimately, at its rock bottom core, is self-sacrificial in nature. So that is the by this, the love, the kind of love that I've loved you with, loving one another with that, that is the this, that's the basic. Love self-sacrificially, just like Jesus has loved you. But I want to keep moving on because, you know, he doesn't just stop there. He continues to kind of build on this. He says, next, it's by this that all people will know. So what's interesting about this is that he's talking about all people. He's, not, he's talking about people who aren't his disciples. He's talking about people who don't identify as Christians. He's talking about anybody outside of right then that circle of 12 men. If you, he's saying if you do this, not even towards the world, but with one another, if you act in this way, as I've acted towards you, with one another, The world will notice that because ultimately outside of Christ, outside of his spirit animating and indwelling you and having a new heart that God's given you, you can't actually love this way. It doesn't mean we can't love at all, right? But the kind of love that Jesus is talking about that is willing to forgive a brother or sister that has damaged you and not you know, just overlook the pain and what was done wrong and put on a smiley face but actually deal with it and be willing to pay the price instead of make them pay the price which is ultimately how relationships work. When something goes wrong, either you make the other person pay or you pay. Either you make them pay through ignoring them, cutting them out of your life Or just thinking, you know, letting you know bitterness grow in your heart. Maybe it doesn't actually come out, but there's something, there's some kind of root, you know, deeper inside of you that just, as Jesus says, even if you've hated a brother in your heart, it's the same as murdering them. That the world will take notice of this. You know, this actually. So I, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So part of my story is that I'm a first-generation Christian. My parents didn't go to church. They didn't know Jesus. They do now. So do all my brothers. It's an amazing story for another time of just how God just invaded our family and turned our lives upside down. But, so this was, I was I'm originally from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was, um, I was a middle, middle school student, and uh, this family moved into town, and they inter, you know they had kids that were the same age as me, and they invited me to church. Um, that's all that I don't know why I'm telling you all those details. I went to church, and this is what happened when I got there. A couple of things happened. One, I felt the love of Christ. I don't know how to explain it, other than simply I just felt the love of Christ. Mainly, I was treated with kindness, which I was like, I go to public school, and nobody, nobody acts like this, and nobody treats me like this, and it was just simple, right? It was just, I was just welcomed. That was part of it. But then I also began to get to know one of the guys. He, it wasn't even the youth pastor. Who, he and I are still good friends, but it was just, uh, he was a college leader in the group and his name was Ben. And I remember a couple of things just like watching him, right, just observing him. One was he prayed like he believed God was actually there, which I was like, what? Like, There's, there's more than just like saying the Lord's prayer, like line by line. I mean, he's talking like, he actually believes that this God is right there and listening to him. But then also, I remember distinctly. So I'd been in public school, and another long story, um, ended up at the private Christian school at this church when I was in high school. And this was early in high school. Um, right, this was actually right after becoming a Christian, but it was very indicative of this guy, and I just remember it. He, um, he like, came to school one day, which is weird. He's like, dude, you're in college. What are you doing here? And he, like, interrupted one of the, classes, like, knocked on the door and, and interrupted the class and said he needed to talk to one of the students. And so the teacher was like, all right, yeah, because he was an alumni. And so, like, yeah, you can go talk to him. And it was just like, what are they talking about? Why is he interrupting class? And so I came and found Ben uh, that week. And I was like, why did you, why, what was up with interrupting the class? Like, what did you have to talk to that guy about? And he was like, and he was very genuine. He was being honest. He was like, I said something that I knew from my heart was, uh, was harmful and was hateful and I needed to ask for his forgiveness. And he forgave me. And he went back to class. Now we're good. And I remember that just sticking with, like, okay, this is, again, I had never witnessed something like that. Just simple, like, asking for forgiveness, receiving forgiveness, self-sacrificially, instead of making that, you know, instead of that guy making him pay for what he said, it just, it ended right there, because he sought forgiveness in that way. And a big part of that, seeing that model for me, I was in the world category at the time. It did. It was like a magnet. It drew me to Christ. I was like, I I see something different here. I see Jesus has made a difference in these people's lives. And that is the same opportunity that we have, right? Not by trying harder or doing better or trying to just be some great, you know, amazing, loving person. But it's by this. And this brings us to the next section, as Jesus continues, he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. That's ultimately the key here, that Jesus is saying, ultimately, if you are a disciple of mine, which a disciple is simply a learner, and, and at this time, you know, centuries ago, it was a very normal thing. I mean, but it's basically the idea of, you know, doing an internship or a residency, that kind of thing, where you aren't the main person, but you're learning and you're, you're watching the main person and you're kind of picking up how to do things along the way. And that's what Jesus has invited all of you to do as well with him, to follow him around and to learn from him the way that he talks, the way that he lives his life, the things that he prioritizes, the things that he doesn't do, what his ultimate you know, goals in life are. That, that, that's what Jesus, that's what discipleship is about is getting around him and him rubbing off on you and you picking up on things from him. And so I'm um, going back to, uh, again, verse 34, just the verse before. Love one another and he doesn't, there's not a period there, right? My translation and probably most of your translations have a colon there. That you love one another, not period, but this is how, just as I have loved you. So I want you to go just back to that in your mind, in your, in your heart. How has Jesus loved me? Now, when we ask that question, just within ourselves, right, there can be a, a voice of condemnation or a voice of doubt that says, he hasn't loved me or he couldn't love me. And what Jesus, uh, what, what, part of what I love is this, you know, Portion of John 13 is sandwiched. It's a terrible sandwich. Right before this is Judas, and right after is Jesus telling Peter that before the day's over, he was going to deny him three times. And that's right in the middle of where Jesus says, Love one another as I've loved you. What happens right after that? Peter ends up saying within one day, Oh, I, I don't know that guy. Yeah, I don't. he's been with him for three years pouring his life, Jesus pouring his life out for Peter. And he's ultimately about to go to the cross for Peter. I don't know know the guy. He's embarrassed of him. And that's the shadow that this is in, that Jesus says, love one another as I've loved you, that I loved you. And he ends up talking to Peter about this, reinstating him and ultimately saying, I'm gonna build the church, my church on you and your profession of faith in me. Someone who denied me three times, I'm going to love you even when you deny me. And that's ultimately what we see Jesus doing on the cross. And he hadn't done it just yet, but he was just about to. That he was going to lay his life down for his enemies to make them into his friends. He was going to lay his life down for his enemies to make them into his family, to make you into his brothers and sisters to allow you to have the same kind of relationship and access to his father. And that ultimately, I mean, the cross, there's no better example of of this kind of relational forgiveness and reconciliation in that idea of, in relationships, when one person does something wrong, which is going to happen in every single relationship at some point or another, probably multiple times a day, on varying degrees, that Jesus didn't make you pay for that. And your ultimate rejection of him, which is what every expression of sin is, it's ultimately simply a rejection of God and putting yourself on the throne and you being better than him at being God and ruling your own life and being at the center of the universe. He says, I'm not going to make you pay for that. I will pay for that. And so Jesus, largely, I think, is inviting us as he's, he's setting the stage, setting the stage, setting the stage all the way through his time with his disciples and throughout the Gospels to see him on the cross doing that for you. Just as I have loved you. You, you won't be able to experience, your, your heart won't be Build up enough. Your tank won't be full enough of gas if you if there's some disconnection that Jesus has loved me, could love me, or would love me, or needed to do anything for me. But when you have, when the Holy Spirit gives you a a growing, an initial awareness and a growing awareness of your desperate need for Him, and then also an awareness of the Tremendous holiness of God, then what that begins to do is that shows you that growing gap between those two things, that Jesus stepped in between those two things to not allow your sin to distance you. And, you know, even as you abandon God and as I abandon God, for Him to abandon you. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. A life shaped like the cross. But it ends with this. Just harping on again. He said it multiple times throughout this passage, but then he ends it on uh, again. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. There's something, there's something amazing and beautiful about this. Like, it's our time. This is our shot. This is our chance to live our life individually. This is our chance to live our life together. For us as a lowercase c church and for us at this time in all places across the world as a capital C church, this is our chance. And we won't get another one. And Jesus is saying, this is the basic. This This is one of the, maybe the main basic I want you to be brilliant at loving one another, which assumes you'll know each other, which assumes you will be known by each other, which assumes that you will be hurt and harmed and damaged by one another, and that it assumes that you will reconcile with one another just as he has done with you, which is simple on one hand, but is also extremely difficult, right? Because we would rather, I would rather make my preaching or my ministry stuff, the litmus test of you know how closely I'm following Jesus. And that's Jesus doesn't throw that in there. He says, What's the quality of your your relationships with the household, right? It's, it's, it's the idea of like, if if the house can't be right, then how can you expect anything else to be right? He's like, just if you can if we can worry about loving one another well and growing in that. I mean, that's that is a big prayer of mine for this year. I will say this: I am constantly. Um, not surprised, amazed and encouraged by the number of people who will visit our church um, whether just one time and we just meet them once or they begin to become part of the community that will say something to the effect of basically they felt the love of Christ from you all, from one of you. They felt that and it made some sort of difference in their life whether this became their church home or not. And oftentimes when it has, that's the when we do newcomer's dinners and we talk about, so what is it that's you know, made you want to stick around? That is almost always one of the main things that comes up. I just I felt the love of Christ. I was welcomed. And that's no small thing. And I think, you know, in some ways it could be easy for us to think, you know, just to settle almost. Um, but that's one of the things that I'm praying. Just as last year, early on, um, I, had a, I had a non-quantifiable goal for us, which is a great way to start a goal, Right? that we would grow into a praying church, right? Can't measure it, but you just, you know it when you see it, right? And one of the things that I'm praying, another non-quantifiable goal I have for us is that we will to continue growing, we will continue growing as a loving church. That so we'll be brilliant at that basic with one another um, and then also with the world, right? But it, it starts here. Um, and ultimately it starts with you individually with Jesus. You individually in your own heart, your own spirit with Jesus, right? Because if I live my life dependent on how other people interact with me, that will make me a very unhappy person. If I live my life and if you live your life dependent on how Jesus has interacted with you and treated you, you will be a very happy person. Regardless of how People treat you or don't treat you, or acknowledge you or don't acknowledge you, or how your life goes. Period. You will be, as Jesus talks about, and as the Bible talks about, you'll be blessed. You'll be, you'll be enviable. Is is the idea? If you love one another as I have loved you. It's interesting, um, you know. It's, kind of closing on this practical note of on one hand there's Jesus saying uh, this commandment I give to you love one another. And that's like the kind of the the action part of it, right? That is involved in relationships when we are, okay, part of loving one another is getting to know one another, being known by one another, expecting to be hurt, and then also working towards reconciliation, right? That's the the kind of action part. But then what's interesting is that the specific thing that Jesus says in verse 35 is this will be the thing that is the identifying mark of my people is not that you love one another, but it's interesting. It's just a slight different phrase, but I think it, it kind of captures something different. If you have love for one another, which I think what this is getting at is, as I've talked about before, a vibe. It's talking about there's an action of love and then there's also just a vibe of love. Like there's just a general charitableness that we have towards one another, not because of how we've treated one another, but because of how Jesus has treated me. And that changes me and that transforms me and that ultimately makes you unsinkable, unstoppable. It's not easy. But if you have love for one another. The world will notice. Um, Birmingham will notice. Jesus will be honored. You will be blessed because you are yourself knowing the love of Jesus and giving it away to other people. Um, And that's my prayer for this year, that I myself will grow in that, that we as a community, that you all as individuals and we as a community will grow in that and experience the, the blessed joyousness of knowing the love of Christ and then in turn, bearing that pain. Instead of making others bear that pain, but bearing that ourselves and knowing that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Um, And Jesus has left us his table to remind us of that and to help us engage with that. And he wants us to do it often. He wants us to remember, I didn't make you pay. I paid. I, I initiated reconciliation with you when you did not deserve it, when you were not, Approaching me, I accomplished that. I went to the cross for you because I loved you, and because I wanted you to love me, and I wanted to, I wanted to transform a sin-soaked, fallen world with very heaven. And so Jesus, you know, around this time, he um, right before he was executed and, and killed, he told his disciples, "Look." this Passover meal that you've been celebrating for centuries, once a year, that Passover lamb, that's me. That's, that's how God is going to pass over you and remember your sins no more is simply by my finished work and you trusting in that, you resting in that, you giving up your striving and your efforts and, and resting in my finished work. And... It's so easy to forget that for a million reasons, and so he wants you to remember that. And so we're going to celebrate communion, uh, communing with Christ, but we're also communing with one another, knowing that his broken body and shed blood is what makes possible our reconciliation as well. And so we've got two uh, tables at the back, and there's also two different ways for you to partake. We have the prepackaged, and then we also have um, a plate with the bread and a bowl. Um, And so if you would like to do the bread, Uh, simply what you'll do is you'll take the bread and dip it in the cup um, and then you can bring it back to your chair or you can stay back there if you wanna kneel, if you wanna just kind of um, have a little space just to spend with Jesus, I would encourage you to do that. I would encourage you to not miss this moment with Jesus. If you're here and you don't identify as a follower of Jesus, um, I would encourage you to not participate in this time simply because it is something that is very uh, meaningful to us as we're really communing with Christ and remembering what he's done for us because we believe it and so um, if you're here and that's not you we're so glad you're here but would encourage you to not uh engage in this time so uh, when you're ready i encourage you go to the back and get the elements and feast on christ in your hearts by faith and be thankful we are so glad you joined us today if you would like to stay connected with us visit our website at antiochbhm.com where you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. If you have any questions about today's message or would like to speak with someone about what was shared today, please email us at info at Go in peace.